Welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here, the final episode of 2022. So it's only right we're winning a three-man weave. I'm joined by Scott Rafferty and Kyle Irving. What's going on, guys? Good, man. Excited. Feel refreshed after a little Christmas break. And uh, we're right back at it. Next break is All-Star Weekend, which uh, feels really far away and also not that far away at the same time. So... I feel like I said this last time I was on here, but I can't believe, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't believe we're already this far into the season. Like we're coming up on the halfway point, you know, the official halfway point, the 41 game mark faster than we might think. So it's pretty ridiculous to think All-Stars right around the corner. Yeah, I, I was going to say like All-Star will be here uh, before we re- before we realize it, to your point, Scott. And, and Christmas Day was was one of those big uh, tentpole events and the stars shined pretty bright. I know last week we previewed the Christmas Day matchup. Some people complained about them not delivering, but the Stars definitely did deliver. Jason Tatum had a 41-point performance. Not to be outdone by Nikola Jokic later oh, in the day. For, oh, the 40, 41 <laughs> points, 15 boards, and 15 assists. And I'm setting you guys up perfectly because that was one of the biggest debates between these two that we had in our top 30 NBA player rankings over at the Sporting News and NBA Global. It's good to check in ever so often throughout the season. Steph No had one ahead of the season. This time around, 11 members of our staff ranked our top 35. So it's really interesting to see who placed players where. We tabulated the points. Each player got a point for where they were ranked. And then we rank them accordingly. Um, I won't go too deep into it, but I will ring off the top 10 in reverse order. Starting with LeBron James. Weird to see LeBron James at 10, but it says a lot in year 20 that he's at 10. Nine, Devin Booker. Eight, Ja Morant. Seven, Joel Embiid. Six, Jason Tatum. Luka Doncic at five. Kevin Durant at four. Nikola Jokic, three. Stephen Curry, two, and number one for, I think, the fourth or fifth time in a row, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best basketball player in the world. There are some other notables around the list, but I'll just say I'm upset that Chris Paul fell out completely. Um, Some other guys that entered the top 30, Tyrese Halliburton at 23, Bam Adebayo back in there at 25, Chris Middleton and Darius Garland rounded out the top 30. So before we get too big into the takeaways, from the top 30 list, guys, how did you feel about how our top 30 came out and, and the opinions that came from our global staff? I think the way the top 10 shook out is you know, pretty accurate to how I feel the 10 best players are in the NBA today. Um, I'm glad that LeBron still made the top 10. It feels like he is still a top 10 player in the NBA. And you see that you know, in performances like we saw on Christmas Day where he was completely dominating and there was no stopping him, and he just didn't have enough help to get you know the Lakers over the hump there after letting up 51 points in the third quarter. Um, but you know, so it was nice to see his name still pop up there. Uh, you know, I like to see the young talent represented with guys like Devin Booker and John Morant. Um, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Steph Curry felt like pretty a pretty safe bet at number one and number two, and then figuring out everything else after that really felt where it like that's where it start started to get messy. You know, what do you do with guys like? Jokic and KD and Luka, Tatum, Joel Embiid, um, you know, I think that you could organize those four players in just about any order uh, after Giannis and Steph. And it, it felt like, you know, that would still be a proper order. So um, I think the top 10 was pretty well represented by, 
you know, who I feel like the 10 best players are in the league today. But, you know, I think you could have kind of organized a lot of those players in pretty much almost any order and it, it would still be correct. I felt pretty confident about the top eight, to be very specific. And then after that, there were a bunch of names where I had a really hard time organizing them. We, we talked about this last week when kind of it was all coming together, but it really did feel like the best way to go about this is like tears, right? Like we mm-hmm. were unanimous. Giannis was at number one. Most of us did have Steph at number two. It was me and, and one other person who didn't. I had Jokic at number two, which will surprise absolutely nobody on this podcast and anyone who's listened to this podcast. Um but, you know, you, you do. You have your, your Stephs, your Lucas, all those guys. Like, they're, they're unquestionable. They're MVP candidates. They're, they're, they're the top eight players in the league right now. Um, but the, the two big things that stood out for me is, one, it's so hard to know what to make of these older stars, right? Like, yes, KD is still up there. Steph is still up there. But we've talked about it. LeBron, um, you know, Chris Paul was another one. Um, then also the injured guys like Kawhi Leonard. Um, he was one of the guys, I, I think we were the most over the board, like all over the board on him more than anyone else, um, which some of it had to do with the timing that we put these together because Kawhi has picked up a little bit lately. He's also missed some more games with his knee and it's just so hard to know what to make of him right now. So um, it, it, it's always really hard to do this. I also think the fact that I personally thought this was probably the hardest one we have done since we've ever put this together and I think more than anything, that just speaks to how much ridiculous talent there is in the NBA right now. Like there really is. We we did 35 names each for this. And even then, like it felt hard, like we were missing some really notable guys. So, you know, I, I feel like it's said all the time, but the league is definitely in good hands moving forward. Yeah, that that's I think the big thing that, that you just said really, really kind of hits it on the head as far as a lot of these guys who kind of fell on the list or, or, or it wasn't because they've fallen off. It's more so that they're just young stars like a John Morant or Devin Booker have just made these leaps past uh, these established stars who are still playing at a high level. Um, but it made it really hard to place guys. And I like you pointed out, every single person had Giannis first. So he kind of is in a tier of his own, especially uh, being at number one for so long. But then having that tiered list, whether it's, you know, the MVP candidates, then the guys who are on the cusp of being superstars, because you can't just hand that superstar label out uh, just to anybody. And that's another discussion for another time. We could probably have an entire episode about what makes a superstar or not. That said, though, talking about making these tiers, talking about ranking these guys, I know I had difficulty with some names. I know you mentioned Kawhi a little bit and some other people along the lines, but who was the the, the toughest call for you or, or, or some names that when it came down to it, you're like, man, I really can't have 15 names ahead of this person, but who am I going to put them ahead of? Well, who, who was a tough call for you, Scott? You mentioned it already, Gil. Chris Paul was a really, really hard one for me to, to mm-hmm. place. Look, we're talking about a perennial all-star who was at the tail end of his career. Um, it really felt like, you know, five years ago that we had seen the, the end of Chris Paul as we knew him. Just because of all the injuries, he struggled to stay on the court. Then he kind of had that, you know, he, he found his way in OKC. Um, and then now in Phoenix, he's had, he had, you know, a couple first couple of years in Phoenix were really strong and all-star um, selection both those years. He's just not been the Chris Paul that we've known to start this year. And I think it's really hard for me in particular to know how much of that, how much to give him the benefit of the doubt of like, look, this guy is a proven winner. He was an all NBA guy last year, right? Like we are talking about a guy who was a lock to make an all NBA team last year. And now he can't even crack the top 20 on this list. 
Um, so how much of a benefit of the doubt do you give him saying, you know, Chris Paul will find his way? And how much of this is, hey, he's a 37-year-old point guard who's been in the league for a, a really long time. And the reality is guys his size at his position tend to not age well and not play as well as he did last year kind of at this stage of his career. So he, mm-hmm. he in particular was a really tough one to place for me. Um, I, I think when I kind of first started to put this list together, I had him just on the fringes of the, the top 20. I think I had him like 20th or 21. Um, he, he was closer to 30 for me. But I mean, he, he wasn't even on some people's ballots. Right. Um, so yeah, he, he was a really difficult one for me. That was the note I was going to make about Chris Paul. Chris Paul appeared on six of nine ballots, as high as 23, um, as low as unranked. But all three of us had Chris Paul on our – something you two could agree on. You both actually had him at 27. I had him at 24 because I, I think he has earned the benefit of the doubt just because this year has been you know impacted by injury. He had the heel injury that was kind of weird, that, that he was already off to a, a weird start, and then the heel injury kind of – uh, derailed that even further and he's shown flashes at times I think we know what he's capable of and maybe um, he's just kind of rounding back into shape to where he could play you know in that top 20 range and he actually did not make the top 30 because of a tie break between he and Darius Garland Darius Garland appeared on more ballots which gave him the nod and placed him in the top 30 ahead of Chris Paul which is interesting because we're saying this like the day before we recorded this, Darius Garland had 46 points uh, against the Nets. So thinking about those two guys and impacting the game at a different, in a different way, but I guess on a different level as all-star level point guards is interesting as far as that goes. Kyle, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about Chris Paul and his impact before letting us know uh, who you had the toughest time placing uh, among these top 25 or among these top 35 guys. Yeah, I think just one last thing that I'd like to note on Chris Paul is kind of similar to what I said about LeBron James cracking the top 10. It would it, it would have felt disrespectful to leave Chris Paul off of this list completely because obviously he got off to a slow start, but you know that you know his impact when he is healthy is greater than what we saw through the first I think it was probably like 25 games, 30 games when we when we ranked these players. So, you know, I ended up having him uh, down at 27. Um, it was a really tough place to place him because, you know, like Scott said, he was a lock for an all NBA team last year. He was in MVP conversations at the end of the year. Um, he just got out to a slow start. So he was tough to place, but you know, Scott had already kind of teased this a little bit, but again, to me, some of the hardest players to rank were the stars that are getting a little bit older guys like Kawhi Leonard, guys like Paul George, Damian Lillard, uh, James Harden, even. Um, and all three of the, all, I'm sorry, all four of those guys have missed time to start the season. So I ended up putting Kawhi Leonard at 13, uh, which I think ended up being close to the highest. Actually, Scott, you had him at 10, so you had him higher than I did. But I think you and I were uh, ranked him closer, closest to the top 10 out of anybody else. Um, and that's based on, you know, you're having to base that off of what we saw from him over a year ago when he was, you know, sleepwalking to 30 points in the playoffs and carrying the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, at the time that we had ranked these players, I think Kawhi was averaging like 12 points per game or something like that. So, you know, it's really tough to, you know, assess what he's done on the floor this year versus what's trying to shake off the rust versus, you know, what is he going to be after that ACL injury? So, you know, Kawhi Leonard was extremely tough to place. And then you look at guys like, you know, Paul George, Damian Lillard, who when they're on the floor and they're healthy, they've been awesome this year, but they're having trouble staying on the floor. James Harden was, you know, really good before he got hurt. And he was hurt at the time that we had done these rankings. So I think that caused him to slip because, you know, a little bit of out of sight, out of mind. So when it comes to 
you know, the young guys that are entering this for the first time, guys like Tyrese Halliburton is someone who jumps out to me. I think Darius Garland made the list for us last year, but he's someone that, you know, was moving up a little bit on, on our ranking. Shea Gildress Alexander, Jalen Brown, uh, Donovan Mitchell, you know, those are all guys that probably weren't ahead of the Damian Lillards and the Paul Georges and Kawhi Leonard's and, uh, you know, James Harden's when we did this list in the past. But because those young guys are playing so well this year, they had kind of floated to the top over those established stars that, you know, we've known to grow and love watching their game uh, over, you know, the last decade. Yeah, uh, to, to, to point that out and, and talk about those guys, Dame Lillard, 17, Kawhi, 18, Paul George, 19, Pascal Siakam, 20. Uh, shout out to Pascal Siakam, who had a 52-point game at Madison Square Garden last week. Can't let that go overlooked. But it's interesting to see those guys, like, right back to back to back. Um, Dame actually uh, had gone up, up, I guess, up a spot. He was at 18 preseason. Um, Kawhi Leonard fell from 7 to 18. Uh, Paul George fell down three spots from 16 to 19. Dame Lillard was a tough one for me because it felt like when we've done this in, in years past, regardless of what we did or who we had, Dame always somehow was like 10th. <laughs> it didn't matter. Like Dame was always the, the guy who we had ninth or 10th. Like Dame is a top 10 player in the league. And here we are, you know, just celebrating him becoming the Trailblazers all-time leading scorer, um, still playing, you know, at a high level this season. But again, it's just, the guys that you named, you know, whether it's Donovan Mitchell uh, or Shea Gildas Alexander, you know, playing just at these, you know, levels that we've never seen before, I guess is kind of what it is, you know, to see Shea average over 30 points per game. Dame Lillard is averaging 28 points per game this year and seven assists per game as well. And we've seen that before, but we haven't seen Shea do what he's doing. And it is more of a matter, I think, that kind of what we were saying earlier, not necessarily to say that it's an indictment on, on Dame for falling off, but more so that these guys are just playing better than he's playing right now. And same goes for Kawhi Leonard. I, I saw him play uh, when the Clippers were in Charlotte and he had a lot of rust and he's shaking the rust off. The, the shooting splits are getting better. His defense is getting back to that level. It's going to take time. So I know we'll do this exercise at some other point, but to that point that, that you guys were making, like these guys are very difficult to place just because, again, Dame Litter is a guy who, Missed the majority of last season. So he was rounding back into form this year. And we're seeing what he can do now he doesn't have that abdominal injury uh, bothering him again. So I'm very interested to see, you know, where these guys who are kind of in that 16 to 20 range, you know, once we look back at this, probably going into the playoffs, where they rank, especially the older guys. Um, and James Harden as well landed at 22. And he seems to be playing at a higher level. We don't know if we're going to. He's going to stay uh, with Philly beyond this year or not, but uh, he he's playing um, very well. And that was a reference to a Woj report that James Harden is eyeing a potential return to Houston. I don't know about that, but we will see. Now, we talked about the next generation a little bit. Zion Williamson came in at 13th. He was the youngest to land in our top 30. I don't know if that's the biggest standout to y'all of the, the the next generation to be on here, or is it Tyrese Halliburton or, or what, what What say you for you guys of, of the young generation of guys to land on the top 30? I, I was going to say, I, I did struggle with some of the young guys because Zion to me, it feels weird to say, because we, I mean, he, he only recently just played 100 career games, right? But it, mm -hmm. he felt like kind of safe to me because he was an all-star a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I just have a really good sense of who Zion is, how he impacts the game, all of that. 
Shay, to me, I was I was surprised to see him as high as he was on some ballots. And you'll find you'll struggle to find people who like Shay as much as I do. I've been on the Shea, the Shay Island for a long time now. I've had property; it's doing really well. Um, I, I'm a big Shay guy, but it's really hard for me to, to to kind of rank where these young guys who are kind of having these breakout seasons. Tyrese Halliburton was another one for me. Like I, I love Tyrese Halliburton. He was leading the league in assists for a long time. Now he's second to James Harden. He is the reason the Pacers are way more competitive than anyone thought we were. But it's like, how much do I weigh, you know, 30 to 40 games of Halliburton playing at this level compared to a Chris Paul, who is off to a slow start, or Damian Lillard, who is a proven guy, um, but, you know, has had injuries and everything like that. Um, It's what makes this exercise fun. But for me, like, I I think I had Tyrese Halliburton a little lower than some people in our group. I think Shea was, we kind of had him in the teens just across the board. Um, but yeah, Trey Young's another guy, which I thought was kind of interesting, right? Like we talk about these guys who have had that wave, um, who have had a couple all-star seasons. And now it's like, now we're kind of nitpicking, right? Like mm-hmm. the noise of Trey Young not moving off ball grows louder by the day. Um, his defensive limitations grows louder by the day. And it's like, it feels like it's only a matter of time until that happens to the Shays, to the Tyrese Halliburton's, but we're, we're kind of still in the honeymoon phase there. So it is what makes this exercise fascinating. But I also like... Chris Middleton is another guy who stood out to me because mm-hmm. he's had an awful start to the season. He's only played in, what, seven or eight games. He's out right, right now with another knee injury. When he's been on the court, he hasn't looked the same. But we didn't really seem to like punish him as much for that as we did as other guys who were dealing with injuries. So I thought that was another interesting one. I think no, with I Chris Middleton, I think with Chris Middleton too, and that's, that's a name that you know stuck out to me when I'm reviewing where he ended up on a lot of these lists. Um, I think he almost benefited from you know, how few games he had played this season because everyone's going to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, shaking off the rust and things like that. And just going to assume that a player like him who, you know, the things that he does well, which is shooting and playmaking, he does that so well for the Bucks. Um, people are just going to assume that once he kind of gets his legs back under him and gets back into a rhythm, he's going to continue to make that similar like second star impact where like with Kawhi, there's a lot more pressure for him to be the best player on that Clippers team. I mean, obviously he has Paul George to fall back on as well, but you know, he's a superstar in LA. And if he's not, you know, if he's averaging 12 points per game at the time that we do, uh, you know, this exercise, then he's going to take a hit there. But, you know, you talked about Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I want to key in on a specific group of three really young guards that I've talked to you guys uh, about before that I thought that it was the most interesting kind of group among all of these players in this exercise. And that was, uh, Jalen Brown, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Donovan Mitchell. All three of those guys are having breakout seasons. All three of those guys should be all-stars this year. I really had a hard time uh, you know, ranking them. I ended up going Jalen Brown first out of the three, Shea Gilgis-Alexander second, and Donovan Mitchell third. I think you could put any three of those players in any order, and it makes sense. I think the – or no, not I think. I know the, the way the results ended up is uh, it was Donovan Mitchell came in at 14, Shea came in at 15, and Jalen Brown came in at 16. Um, you know, those are three players who Donovan Mitchell is probably a lock to start at a guard spot in the East in the all-star game. Jalen Brown is probably on the fringe of getting that second all-star spot. Shea Gildas Alexander with the injuries to, you know, Stephen Curry is probably, you know, on the fringe of being a starter in the West. Um, you know, these are three really talented players, but it's like, how do you sort these guys? How do you organize them? They do kind of have similar ish games. They do like similar things. Um, it was, it really was almost like a three-way coin flip, uh, between these three guys, but you know, three really talented players who all ended up just out, you know, inside and just outside of our top 15 
who, you know, we had a lot of people had above guys like Paul George and Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Zion Williamson, James Harden, Tyrese Halliburton, like really talented players. So, you know, that was an interesting young group of three players to me. No, I, I agree. I agree. And, and to, 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 to round that out, to, to look at, you know, other guys who might, who missed the cut, um, De'Aaron Fox is a young guard who did not make the cut, and he's taken his game to another level this season. Uh, DeJounte Murray, again, another young guard uh, to miss the cut. And I promise we don't have any bias towards big men, but DeMontis Sabonis, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns also did not make our top 30 this time around. But plenty of season for them to bounce back into the future. Now, speaking of the future, and Kyle, you kind of hinted at it a little bit, Donovan Mitchell is playing a, a, like a top 15 player in the league. He's 26 years old. Shea Gildas-Alexander is 24 years old. Jalen Brown is also 26 years old, like Donovan Mitchell. And you took on the exercise as if ranking our top 35 now is not hard enough. You are taking on the exercise of ranking the top 35 years from now, which will be a great exercise to look back at in five years. And that's coming later in the week on the Sporting News and NBA Global. So, Kyle, can, can you explain a little bit what went into this exercise? You took this one on alone. No 11-man poll to help you out here. So uh, what, what, where did you even start with, with this exercise? So, actually, where I started is going to NBA stats, going to player bios, <laughs> and ranking everybody by their age and just kind of grouping okay. it out by, you know, who are some of the best 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, uh, so on and so forth, and then projecting what they might look like five years down the line. Um, you know, full disclosure, we started with this year's draft class was this upcoming draft class with Victor Weminyama and Scoot Henderson um, is the first draft class and the last draft class that we included in this exercise. So, you know, uh, whoever's in Bronny James's class in 2024, uh, they didn't even get it considered for this exercise. But other players in the 2023 draft class did get considered. I just didn't feel like anybody aside from Scoot and Wemby were worthy of you know, crowning them as one of the 30 best players in the NBA in five years. Um, and I guess to just continue going on Wembenyama, it started with how high is too high for him? And I still haven't even figured out the answer to that question. I mean, there's part of me that feels like he could end up number one on this list and it would seem pretty ridiculous in the moment. But Gil, like you said, we could look back at this list in five years and be like, why was Victor Wembenyama not the number one player on this list? Um, you know, a, another group that was really, really tough for me to figure out and rank is the 21-year-olds that are in the league like right now. Guys like LaMelo Ball, uh, Anthony Edwards, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, uh, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner. You know, we've seen a lot from them and pretty much unanimously people like what they've seen, but how good are they really going to be in five years? How much are they going to improve in five years? Because the sample size that we have right now is so small. And then on the other side of that, you know, it's really, really tough to decide what to do with guys like you know, what does a 39-year-old Kevin Durant or Steph Curry look like? What does a 41-year-old LeBron James look like? In the same way that I keep saying that LeBron feels like he's a top 10 player, it feels weird to say that there's ever going to be a time and place where LeBron James is in the NBA and he's not one of the 30 best players in the league. So it really was a fun exercise. I'm really looking forward to writing it. I'm looking forward to seeing the feedback that I get from it. And I think more so than anything, like you said, when we're looking back on it in five years, I'm more curious to see where I was wrong in five years than where I where I was right because you know there are a lot of guys the the Jaws and the Tatum's and the Lucas that you know you feel really comfortable ranking them in the top five in five years but I want to know where I went wrong on leaving some guys out you know maybe a guy like Benedict Matherin or Jaden Ivey who are rookies this year who we really haven't seen much from make monster leaps and they become 
you know, top 30 players, someone like Chet Holmgren, who didn't crack this list because we haven't even seen, seen him play a game yet. You know, maybe this guy turns into a world beater in the NBA uh, because of his length and his ability to stretch the floor. Um, but, you know, he didn't even really get consideration because we haven't seen him play. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where I was wrong five years down the line. Related to that, we uh, we had a fun exercise earlier. We, we were talking off, off, offline about Desmond Bain and Tyrese Maxey as these two kind of young guards um, who I think everyone's really high on their upside and everything like that. And I know, Kyle, you were leaning more towards Maxey. I think a few of us were. And I just dropped in a blind resume in our chat. And it was comparing Desmond Bain stats through Tyrese Maxey's um, through this point of their career, their names were scrubbed. And Desmond Bain actually got more vote, votes than Tyrese Maxey. And that's another thing where it's just like, you know, it speaks to how deep the talent pool is in the NBA right now. Because um, I think you could be really comfortable with like a top 30 players that you could name. But again, there's going to be 10, 15 more players that don't even make the list um, who could easily be top 20 in a few years' time. Like that's just what, what makes it so difficult. So I am fascinated to see how you go about this. Um, if you ask Colin Gay who should be number one, he would tell you Wemby and to just stop, not even debate it. Um, I don't think anyone's higher on Wemby's potential than he is. Um, but even guys like, I, I'm honestly fascinated to see how Giannis develops over the next five years, mm -hmm. right? Like he is unquestionably, according to us, the best player in the NBA right now. Um, just arguably the best defender in the league. He's unstoppable going to the basket. But I'm also curious, he's going to be what, in his early 30s by that point? Um, right. You know, his, his jump shot hasn't developed, I think, the way that a lot of people thought it would. Um, you know, he showed signs. Like they, they don't win that finals two years ago if Giannis doesn't become more comfortable in the post. Um, kind of from that floater range and mid-range and knock down enough shots to kind of defeat the Suns. He's really struggled with his jump shot this season. Um, he's struggling from the free throw line. And I am just curious to see, like, if he gets that and if he doesn't, kind of what his game looks at. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe in his early 30s, he's still the most dominant paint scorer in the league and he can power his way through anyone. And he's just a little bit more polished in the post and that's enough to make up that difference. Um, but, like, you know, him in his early 30s, LeBron in his late 30s, early 40s, um, all these guys, all these kind of old heads, I guess, like you said, Kevin Durant too. Like we've never seen anyone like Kevin Durant before. A seven footer who plays like a guard can get a shot off of anyone. Um, when Kevin Durant's knocking on his 40th birthday, is he still going to be <laughs> shooting the lights out from three? Can he still shoot over anyone? Is he still giving you just enough defensively to kind of be in that all-star all NBA conversation? It is a, it is a fascinating exercise. Um, and look, Kyle, you're going to be wrong, right? Like, we're going to look back at this in five years' time and we'll be like, can you believe he put this person at number 12? But that's what's fun about it. Like, you, you just got to go with what you got now, now and then you can, uh, as Colin likes to say, when new inf information becomes available, you can kind of change <laughs> things around. It's all about the new information. I think that's the interesting thing about, about Giannis you talked about. He's, he just turned 28, which is ridiculous to think that everything that he's accomplished so far in his career, he just turned 28 years old. And you can think back to other stars. I think back to... Um, you know, it's not they're, they're not one for one comparisons, but thinking about where LeBron was at 28 years old, I think he won his first championship at 27 or 28, you know, thinking about that and, and thinking about the, the additions that LeBron made to his game and thinking about 33 year old LeBron. That was the year that, you know, he went off in, in the NBA finals, which is crazy to think that, that was almost five years ago. But, um, you know, the year that he went off in that and that his last uh, playoff run with the Cavaliers, he kind of perfected his game I don't necessarily think that that is peak LeBron but I think that's when LeBron figured out how to uh, maximize everything that he had everything around him and the way that he sorry Kyle controlled that game seven against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, was a, a level of mastery um, that I, I've uh, not seen from very many players so I think that's the, that could be another step for Giannis right I think um, becoming more of a guy and it's, it's hard to do 
um, you know, the way he plays the forward position. He doesn't play the forward position like LeBron plays the forward position. But I think becoming more of a guy who can control the game, be it for 20, 24, 30, 30 minutes at a time, I think that will allow him to prolong his dominance because now – doesn't matter if you can get up and down the floor as quick as quickly as you did in the past or jump as high because you're dictating the pace of the game. You're dictating how everything's going. And I think that he's capable, smart enough, skilled enough uh, to do that. So I'm looking forward to that. And that is another skill that we've talked about Luka Doncic having, which makes him a, a big candidate for being uh, number one in five years time. And then you think about it, Luka Doncic is five right now. He's 23 years old in five years. Victor Wimanyama and Scoot Henderson will be the same age. So, like, that consideration for them uh, for those top spots isn't really far-fetched uh, to, to, to go to that. Now, Kyle, I want to ask you one more question about this future top 30 without revealing or or, or, or or ruining anything for anybody. No spoilers here. Go to Sporting News to find out who he ranks. Uh, but similar, I, I kind of look at this a little bit similar to the way you evaluate draft prospects because Kyle is our draft expert over – at the sporting news, but, but what is it that you are looking at, you know, generally speaking with these guys, be it a women Yama or be it a, a young guy who's in his first or second year, like LaMelo ball or Anthony Edwards or, or Anthony Simons of what they've shown as a young player that projects them as having that star status or star power in five years time. I think, you know, where I started and I, I explained this to you guys a little bit, but, you know, the average age for a player at his peak in the NBA is 27 or 28 years old. Um, you know, I, I found it online from a study at Dartmouth that the average age of an all-star is 26 and a half. The average age for an MVP is 27.9. And the average age for an all-NBA player is 27.7. So, you know, when I was doing out this list and I started with, like I said, their age and then went to, okay, how old are they going to be in five years? I was really keying on the list of guys who are 21, 22, and 23 right now because those are the guys that are going to be in their peak. Obviously, you're going to have guys like, you know, Tatum and Shea and, and Trey Young who will be, you know, just outside of that range, but feel very confident saying they're still going to be dominant. Same thing goes for guys like, you know, Jokic, guys like Giannis, guys like Devin Booker. Um, you know, you still feel really confident they're going to be one of the 30 best players. But when you're looking at some of the rookies this year, you know, I'd already talked about whether it's, you know, I mean, Paulo Bencaro is someone that I am very confident he's going to be one of the top 10 best players in the NBA in five years. I, you know, I haven't actually seen where he's going to end up on this list. It's, it feels like top 10 feels right for him just because, you know, his game is already so polished and he can only get more polished in time. Um, but then there's guys that got left off the list. I look at someone like Shaden Sharp, who has so much potential. Uh, he is an extremely interesting case of someone who I think could jump into this list. And, and when I look back, I'm going to feel foolish, uh, you know, if he pans out the way that he does. Uh, guys like Josh Giddy and Jalen Green, um, who have shown flashes of being so you know brilliant at what they do. Jalen Green as a scorer, Josh Giddy as a playmaker, but they still have so many areas that they need to fine tune uh, to get to you know becoming a top thirty player in five years time. Um, and then you know there's guys like Scotty Barnes, who to me is go is one of the toughest players to evaluate because he was so good last year, but he's hitting a sophomore slump. And you know I mean. Plenty of other players have hit sophomore slumps. I feel pretty confident that Scotty Barnes is more true to who he, who he was as a rookie than he was as, you know, not to just send straight shots here, but like Michael Carter-Williams as someone who won rookie of the year and then kind of fizzled out after that. So, you know, it, it's really tough to evaluate these young guys and try and project um, where they're going to end up in five years time because all of them do, you know, to end up in consideration of being on this list, they clearly do something 
uh, in particular very, very well. It's how are they going to grow their weaknesses that are going to make them, uh, you know, become these all NBA, you know, perennial all-star caliber guys that are leading their team to the playoffs and, and trying to compete for a championship. It's going to be crazy in five years' time when we look back on this and Nikola Jokic has seven MVPs. That's all I'll say. <laughs> it's going to win seven in a row. You hear it, you heard it here first. Honestly, one last thing. I feel like Nikola Jokic doesn't get as much love. And if you look at the numbers right now, he is very much within reach of averaging a triple-double this year. If he averages a triple-double right now as we were recording this, the Nuggets are first in the Western Conference if the Nuggets finish first in the Western Conference and have a top three record in the NBA, I don't see how you argue against him winning a third straight MVP. I don't care about voter fatigue. He will have done something that we have only seen a few times before, um, and he will have done it for a successful team in the scope of the entire league and a title contender. So, Scott, I'm sure that you, Scott's holding a straight face right now, but I know he's smiling really big on the inside that I'm, that I'm saying this about Nikola Jokic. Um, but honestly, like, I, 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 I would not be surprised. I really do actually think he's going to average a triple-double this year. I think he needs to average like a little over uh, 10 assists for the rest of the season in order to do that, and that's pretty doable for Nikola Jokic. So um, it'll be interesting to see. It's a, it's a, it's a fun MVP race with him, Giannis, Jason Tatum, uh, Luka Doncic is going to be in it. Steph Curry's injury might have uh, done him in as far as that goes, but definitely looking forward to following that. As the calendar flips to 2023, some people might call it our Jordan year as a world because it's the year 23 for us. That was kind of corny, but I'm going to roll <laughs> with it. 2023 is coming. So as the year closes, definitely want to thank everybody for tuning in to NBA Sound System and subscribing wherever you get your podcast, getting these in your feed every time they drop. Any resolutions for you guys before we get out of here? Uh, to make Kyle like Nikola Jokic more. That's my New Year's resolution for 2023. I was I was going to make my resolution to you know enjoy Nikola Jokic more and, and shake this <laughs> like you know fake narrative that I'm a Jokic hater. But if, if Scott's going to make his resolution about me, then my resolution about him is going to be he needs to start respecting Jason Tatum more. And, uh, you know, if I respect Jokic more and he respects Tatum more, then I think we'll have an even more interesting MVP race down the stretch of the season, uh, you know, along with the Sporting News gang, because, you know, those two feel like they are top one and two right now. And it's going to be that way for the rest of the year. So Scott and I will be going back and forth all year. Gil, great great hosting. Great hosting, by the way, leaving the Jokic conversation to the very end. So we didn't just take over the podcast with it. That was was good hosting. See, see, I was getting ready to say my resolution you guys set me up is to mediate the Mm. actual debate that we'll have when the MVP race inevitably heats up down the stretch of the season. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in to NBA Sound System. Head over to the Sporting News to check out our top 30 rankings that are already up and Kyle's top 30 future rankings that will come soon. And you can uh, take your screenshots and mention them at Kyle Irv on Twitter in 2028 and let them know where he went wrong and who he should have mentioned then. So remember that. Make a note now. Remind yourself five years from now uh, to get at Kyle when that happens. Thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you this time next week. I guess see you next year. Have a good one.